All right. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. This is Pej. I'm here today with Mariana. Welcome to the corner, Mariana. Nice to have you Thank on. You. This is uh, my recovery podcast where we talk about all things recovery or lack thereof. And uh, I wanted to, I'm so happy that you're on here because I, I've seen you and I've, I've gotten to know you a little bit, but I see you more like on social media and I see that you're like an adventurer. And uh, there was a time where we were, we happened to be somewhere where I heard you talk about some stuff and I thought, wow, she's so well-spoken and so well put together. And so I was intrigued by who you are as a, as a person in recovery, as a lady in recovery. So first and foremost, I want to know about your past, um, where you're from, uh, where you were born, where you're from, where you were raised, and then we'll get into the other stuff. So go ahead. The floor is yours. Okay. Uh, so I was born in Ukraine. Um, when I was 11, my parents brought me out here. Um, you know, growing up, my parents uh, my parents are non-alcoholics. My grandma was an alcoholic. She died of this disease. And uh, she, she never, you know, she never had any program or anything. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so yeah, I was raised by an adult child of an alcoholic, pretty much, um, which is my mom. And um, growing up, you know, my mom was the other woman that my dad left his previous wife for. Mm-hmm. And uh, growing up, I just faced a lot of like I, I heard a lot, a lot of the times them fighting all the time, um, and uh, my mom always being insecure about being like you know after she was like the other woman, she was convinced my dad was cheating, and so. I was kind of raised in like that neurosis. Uh, uh, and yeah, and then when I was 11, my parents came out here from, you know, we came out here from Ukraine. And mm-hmm. about a year and a half after that, my father passed away. And um, my mom barely knew English, you know, so it was like a struggle. And Your father been, passed away? Mm-hmm, when I was when I was 12. And um, yeah, and then I've been working, you know, I started working when I was 14. And Did you have any siblings at all? So yeah, I actually do have a sister and a brother. Um, they're from my dad's side, so mm-hmm. they're not, you know, not at all cl- close to my mom, who was the other woman. My mm-hmm. sister is eleven years older. My brother is twenty years older. Um, but I had a falling out with my sister two years ago, and I haven't spoken to her since. So it's just me and my mom. Okay, so when you were, you said you started working at fourteen, like doing what? I was actually, so we were low income, so there was this TANF program, I guess it was like for a a program for children from low income households, and so you could work during summer um, if you got a permit, whatever, you know, so it was actually legal work since I was 14. I was working at like an um, adult, um, adult learning center and I was just like a file keeper you know like I was basically like an assistant or a secretary or whatever so I would just do like the clerical stuff and then you know when I was 15 I started working for the city of LA um, with with that program and then they hired me on board with them and I was actually like a camp counselor and an after school teacher like in in the beginning of my drug use Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the age of 16 to 19. So you started using drugs when you were 16? Um, so I started drinking with Russians. Like I started getting drunk um, when I was 14. Uh-huh. And then uh, when I was 16, I had a boyfriend, of course, and he was a drug dealer. And so that's when my heavy drug use began. And yeah. this you, you were growing up in L.A., right, during this time? This is where you mm-hmm. were? Yeah. Like the Valley, San Fernando yes. Valley? Yeah. So you had a boyfriend that was a drug dealer and you were drinking with Russians. Yes. And, you know, like I've never to this day, I can't recall a time when I like went and like had a nice little pretty drink. You know, it was always like the actual bottle of vodka. It was cost efficient. You know, you just drink it straight. Um, The first time that I got drunk, like I was like so tough, you know, and it was like always around like a bunch of guys. And I was one of the only girls or like one of the two girls. And, you know, it was just like I I had I didn't want to take chasers. I was too tough for that. And I was just like, drink, drink, drink. And uh, and then I would get sick. Were you a tomboy growing up at all or just like? Or the girl that no, I was just um, actually no. I've never been a tomboy, but um, I just like always. I always was like 
one of the guys, you know, Just or like I guys. felt like one of the guys, you know, yeah. like it was, I felt like I was, you know, I was treated like that. I wanted that. It was a safe space to be one of the guys, you know, like I can talk like one of the guys for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nice. You speak your mother language too, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. What language is it? Serbian? Russian. Oh, Russian. Russian. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Okay. So you got into alcohol, drugs. I mean, when you say you got into drugs, like dating a dealer, what the hell did he have? Okay. So it started off with weed, which, you know, the first few times I didn't like, it was made me paranoid, but mm-hmm. I kept, you know, I, I, I'm not a quitter. So I kept going until, you know, until it was like, I enjoyed it or whatever. And then, um, and then, you know, we did the whole rave and ecstasy scene when back when EDC was back in LA yeah. and you know, together as one monster massive. And, you know, it was ecstasy, a lot of ecstasy. And, Those were um, good times. Yeah. <laughs> ecstasy, Molly, Xanax, um, Coke. Um, but then when I was probably about 18, him and I both, or 17, him and I both got into smoking Oxycontin. Oh, and uh, and yeah, why is about, that? Like, did he just happen to have some? Or yeah, you guys- I mean, that was the business, you know, like uh, the eighty milligram uh, time release coated, mm-hmm. um, chasing the dragon or whatever, you know, like on the foil. That was like the thing to do. They were, I mean, those pills went crazy. Like, you can get them with insurance for eighteen, then you sold them off for eighty in Washington, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like that whole thing, and then. You know, it's funny because we would get loaded and I would be like, I always thought like I was a good person. You know, I was like, oh, okay, I need one and, you know, I'll pay you for it. And I basically couldn't, didn't have the money. So it would accumulate and I owed him like 40 at the end, you know, of our relationship. And that's like a lot of money, you know. So like a year later, it was transitioned to smoking heroin. Okay. So now you have an opiate addiction at this point, right? Like it's. You have to have it or else you're going to go through withdrawals. Were you yep. getting dope sick if you didn't have it? Were yeah, of course. Crazy? Yeah. And what, you were 18 years old during this time? Yep. Then what happened? Yep. Um, about a year later, I was smoking heroin. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that went on in that time. I got arrested for the first time. I got my first two, almost three felonies. And... Um, yeah, I mean, there was, like, a lot of stuff incorporated. Like, there was Coke, and, you know, I, yeah, it was just, like, going, I went to rehab and uh, at some point, and I met this guy, and, yeah, it was, like, I, I started shooting it all, like, it went on to me shooting up, and then I went to jail. It was, like, a lot of jail stuff, and then I actually got clean and sober um, for 20 months, and I was doing really well. You know, but it was like surface doing well. Like I was right. going to meet. How old were you then? Like 20? 22, yeah. 22. Yeah, there was a lot of like in and out between in that phase, you know. Um, but I it, it was it got worse after I got loaded after 20 months. And the reason why I got loaded is because I have received the gifts of step none. You know, like I was all about like the attention, you know, go to meetings. I had a bunch of commitments. Uh, you know, I wanted like a pat on the back. I wanted someone to tell me I'm doing well. Mm-hmm. And like, I wanted that validation from people. And then like, I, towards the end of those 20 months, I just became resentful. I like, I had this ego about me that I just like wanted, um, like, I felt like people should treat me a certain way. And mm-hmm. when they didn't, like I got resentful and I justified my using and then throw in some guilt and shame into the mix. And it's like recipe for disaster. That's exactly what happened, you know, and, you know, it was over a relationship. I, you know, I relapsed or whatever, and it was just all bad. It was down the hill. And so towards the end of that stint after it was right before the last time that I got sober, um, I was shooting heroin with meth while smoking crack. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, as bad as it could get, it got, I was homeless. Um, I slept in the car and I worked at, some really interesting places and I actually got fired from those interesting from one of those interesting places. So yeah, and um I got arrested one more time. I think it was my fourth time getting arrested. And I um in jail like I picked up a recovery book 
uh, that's used in the program, in one of the programs, these are anonymous prog programs, and, uh, and that's how I got sober. My sobriety day is November 21st, 2013. Okay, so, and that was, how old were you then? I was 24. I got sober at 24. And basically because you were locked up, you, you caught wind of this book that you already kind of knew about, and that's what got you interested in, in seeking sobriety? So yeah, like uh, a year prior, one of my really good friends, um, uh, Natalie, she, she, I knew how she got loaded because we got loaded together. The first time I shot up was with her, and then um, a year, like a year before I got sober, she was in the fellowship in in the program, and she, like, I saw that she was able to do it, and how her life had changed, and she was very kind and hospitable to me. I just wasn't ready, mm -hmm. and. Um, like, because I saw it work for her, I knew it could work for me. And so because of that, because I had that, like, seed planted, she's basically my Eskimo. And uh, because I had that seed planted is the reason why I decided, like, hey, I can give it a shot. My life can change, too. I love that. I love it very much. Okay, so um, if you don't mind me asking, when you were getting arrested, what, what were you getting in trouble for? Was it? Uh... So, so the, the first time it was burglary and grand theft. And then, yeah. And then after that, it was possessions. You know, it's like once they have you in the system, they got you. It was like probation violation. Um, there was the last time that I got caught, like they were just like, I mean, I'm just going to say, like, I don't think they actually had a case against me because, like, I was just in the parking lot, homeless with my mom, who's mm -hmm. a paranoid schizophrenic. You know, we were sleeping in the car. And, um, you know, like I wasn't doing anything. So they basically just kind of like harassed me and I had a warrant out for my arrest. And so they took me in and I didn't really have anything on me. I was like down and out, you know, I had like, I had cottons, I had like very dried up cottons and syringes and that was it. And wow. Yeah. Wait, so you were homeless with your mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And w was this on the streets of the valley or where was this? Yeah, actually, the last time I got busted was on Chairman Wayne Sepulveda. Um, but yeah, we were in the streets of the valley. We used to park at like Ralph's parking lot and Woodland Hills at Sherman Way. That's like, um, it's like deep in the valley, close to Pomona, yeah. Van Nuys, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so, it's I mean, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with Sepulveda, but like Sepulveda Very. south of Sherman Way, it's mm -hmm. like, crack city it, it's bad it's gotten yeah. so bad like I, yeah. I i used to be in that area when i was very young it wasn't mm -hmm. like that oh it was really not like that not wow. at all it's when i drive through there now i'm like whoa it's like a yeah. third world country it looks really bad yeah. it is really bad yeah it's strange okay. so you say let's get into the sobriety but i really i'm interested in knowing like what happened with your mom is she okay so, so yeah, she's an undiagnosed, unmedic unmedicated parent that's schizophrenic, and mm -hmm. she, um, yeah, she lives with me now. Mm -hmm. uh, she was homeless for probably seven years, kind of by choice. She felt safe in her car. Mm -hmm. um, I tried to get her into a place. She refused it. But um, my roommate moved out in November, and so I convinced her to move in with me. So mm -hmm. it's been very interesting, but... Um, yeah, we live together now. I love that. Uh, yeah, but it's it's very difficult, which is why I like to take a lot of trips and kind of going online after like a week of work and dealing with my mom and mm. not and, being able to help. And how long were you actually, you yourself, homeless on the streets? How long did you live that lifestyle? For a year. I've been homeless myself. It's It sucks. Yeah, I mean... I didn't, I wasn't homeless, like sleeping on the street. We had a car, you know, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a in, year. In, in homeless life, like where would you shower? So I worked at a strip club and um, they actually had a shower there. I also mm -hmm. had like a bunch of, well, um, I had. Places to go, people's houses? Yeah, exactly. The... I want to I want to say lower companions, but I was probably the lower companion. They were yes. the higher companions, but um, you know they were like on similar frequencies as I was at that time. 
Very well said. Yeah. I understand. And I understand it all too. Actually, that those same things come out of my mouth whenever I'm talking about my past. So, but I, I love, here's what I really love. I love when I see people in recovery. This is what captivated me about you and what you were talking about well, the first time I ever heard you talk was the way you spoke about your your experiences and being homeless. I was like, oh, that's me. I mean, I've been through that too. And then getting out of that fucking rut and getting into recovery and completely transforming. I mean, and that's what our topic today was uh, in the first place was about being uh, uncovering true self via sobriety. So like I think about like the woman that I see right now in front of me, you're so well put together, right? And you're an adventurer. I love I love following your stories because you do stuff that I fucking didn't even know existed. Like that whole thing of being in, in like a lake that you're like flying up in the oh, air. Yeah. Like I'm like, Flat what the hell is that? Like yeah. I want to do that, right? But but like our true self is until we get sober, we don't really actually know what our true self is. Everything is a facade. So you're not jail material. You're not homeless material, nor am I. I don't think that our families brought us from other countries to the land of opportunity to, to become these full-blown addicts and alcoholics that are uh, aimlessly running the streets or, you know, just living out of our cars or whatever we want to call it. But uh, so when you got sober at that age, at 24, and that person was an example for you, your Eskimo, which some people, if you don't know what an Eskimo is, it's usually a person who... Uh, who's an example, who's been sober for a minute before us and they, they show us why they've changed their lives. My, my Eskimo is my friend Laura. I love her forever. She, she was four years sober. And when she saw me somewhere as a homeless man, she said, I can't talk to you. You're not sober. Until you get sober, then I can talk to you. And then that hurt my feelings. But then she was, she was the example. Then I got sober and then she relapsed. But then I got her back in the program. At least she says that I was her Eskimo. So it kind of worked together. And I love and adore her. And now she has double digit sobriety. So so you got sober. Like, why did you stay sober? Because a lot of people don't get sober. Or a lot of people that get sober young don't stay sober. You're seven plus years, almost eight years sober now, right? Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. why, why does Mariana stay sober? <laughs> um the stuff that I've done in the past seven and a half, whatever, seven plus years um, in recovery has been way more than I've done the previous 24 years in my life. You know, like it was never, you know, I've discovered, like I've truly kind of like the topic uncovering true self through recovery. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know who I was, right? Like I was just, you know, they say, oh, oh, restless, irritable, discontent. For me, it wasn't like restless. It was maybe it was a lot of being restless, but at the same time, it was more like um, I was just shy. You know, I was like very, um, I was very like reserved. And then I would open up to people like once they whatever would warm up to me. But like I didn't, I didn't have an identity. And I think a lot of that also has to do with besides being an alcoholic is just who you are, like what we go through in our twenties, you know, we're like, we don't know who we are. We kind of like try different groups and we're trying to figure out what is really us. And then through recovery, I was given the option to experience various different things. And I found out like, Oh, I really like traveling. You know, like I really like hiking. I really like, uh, and you know, the, this is the number one thing in terms of the topic is you know, like I no longer live in fear. And what the program has of uh, recovery has taught me is not living in fear. And what that means for me is mm-hmm. I like go head on with fear. So like mm-hmm. if I am afraid to cliff jump, I will stand in the cliff and I will shake until I cliff jump. <laughs> you know? And it's like you never know. It's like I don't want to have that thought like I could have done this. And, you know, a lot of it also has to do with step work. You know, like something that came up in step work is I remember specifically this one time. This was like when I was like five. My neighbors came to my house and they offered us these like small dried out shrimps, right? Like in Ukraine, that was like a thing. And I looked at them and they were scary. And I said, no. But then as soon as they left, I kept obsessing about it. I mean, this is like, this is like 20 20- <laughs> 27 years later this little incident that i remember because like i never tried it and i was like i still don't know what that tastes like i've still never seen anything like this here in america you know and it's like it's crazy because that kind of thing it's like 
I no longer want to live like that where I'm questioning like, what if I tried it? You know, you never know until you try. And so okay. because I'm able to conquer that fear head on, I'm like able to experience all these beautiful things and you know, kind of like with the podcast, like you, you asked me and you know, like I, you know, like kind of scary, kind of nerve wracking, but it's like, I won't know until I do it. So I literally say yes, like to everything, you know, dive like, in head first. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. So uh, these trips that you go on, like how do you find the places that you, cause, cause you, you're a traveling woman. You go everywhere. So actually, it's because of the program. Um, well, I started doing these like young people's. I started going to these young people's events in my fellowship. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like we would go to support other areas. Mm -hmm. uh, I was on this committee, right? This uh, service committee in yeah. our area. And uh, which is, by the way, so amazing because it like it showed me how to have fun, you know, because I was, you know, I was 24 when I got sober. And, you know, like I heard a lot of people say like, oh, if you, uh, you know, I was afraid that I wasn't going to have fun because I was young and I got sober. My life was over. That was never my thought because literally there was no fun had when I was like out there, you know, like everything when I went to meetings and I saw these people make announcements, they were attractive, you know, like they look like they were having fun and right. that was like attractive to me. And I wanted to be a part of something, you know, like that's one thing that I did. I wanted to be part of the community, you know, like mm -hmm. I was afraid of being alone. Like that was the thing that pulled me. And so because of that, I made friends literally like all across the United States and mm -hmm. I actually have some friends in like Ireland and Australia, you know, it's like, it's really cool, really cool concept. And so a lot of the times when I travel, I'm like, you know, especially in this past year where there's not a lot of events going on, mm -hmm. because it started out with me going to conferences, like out of state conferences and right. making friends and like maybe, you know, fit in one little adventure in that. Mm -hmm. uh, but after COVID started, it was more like, you know, I want to go visit my friend and I want to go like, explore the area. So it was like killing two birds with one stone. Right. And like, honestly, that's how it started out. And because of that, it's like it, it uncovered a whole um, sleuth or whatever, and many other things. Right. Uh, I think I remember that right before pandemic hit. Well, I mean, okay. So I, I've, I've gone to lots of young people's events just because, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't really. Somebody told me if you got sober in your thirties, you were still you're still eligible to be part of young people's events. But I just you're I eligible love, at any age, by the way. At, at any age, okay, good, 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 good. I got sober <laughs> mid thirties, but I remember I saw you. I think the first time I ever really saw who you were was at um, it was in L.A. at a young person's event, and um, Russell Brand was speaking with Amy Dresner. And I mean, when I saw you, you were having a lot of fun, and I was like. This is it. Like I, I enjoy seeing because because I didn't get sober in my twenties. So so I think to myself like in my twenties I was sobriety was not even a concept. It wasn't a, not even a thought in the wind. Like there's there's no way I thought my life is falling. And it really like it wasn't until my later twenties until I was kind of running my life into the ground. So I love when I see people in their mid twenties have the realization have the you know, somewhat of an awakening to the fact that my life isn't working for me and I've got to change this. And so um, I I think that, and I don't think I, I see it with you, like you're, you're a great example for the other young people because I think to myself, like if I was in my 20s um, amongst other young people, what would I want to do to make sure that we all stay rather than, because what I see is some people, they come and they get sober when they're young and they may stay sober a year or two or three or four but then all of a sudden, I think that their heads start to play with them and they think to themselves, um, maybe I wasn't an addict. Maybe I wasn't an alcoholic. Like maybe I could still drink like a gentleman or like a gentlewoman. Like maybe I could just go and test the waters one more time. And it never fails in most more cases than none. When they go back and test the waters, they come back and they're fucking beat. Like just beat. And you just, you're like, okay, well, you know, you had to learn it the hard way. The sad thing is, and the scary thing is these days, um, People can't, there's certain drugs that they might go and experiment with, but unfortunately, it can also be their demise. It could kill them, like straight up. I'm sure you've had plenty of friends that have overdosed and died from heroin, fentanyl, all the stuff that's out there these days. So um, 
what's your experience with that? Like when you have a friend that's super struggling, how, what do you do? Like as, as a person, as, as a lady in recovery? Okay. That's a difficult one for me because early on in sobriety, I learned the hard way that I need to allow people to have their own process. Um, literally what my job is as someone in recovery is like, you know, you've seen my social media, right? Like all the stuff that I do or whatever. Um, I do like participate, partake in some uh, recovery stuff, which is like very subtle and anonymous, but it does kind of like point that, oh, hey, I'm in recovery or I'm sober. Mm -hmm. And like, I basically try to like live as an example, right? So like people see this, like, oh, that's so cool. So I had one girlfriend who, um, who actually, she would watch me, right? She would, she would um, uh, watch me on social media and she was like, that's so cool. I want to hang out. And so one time, like about three and a half or four years ago, she reached out to me and she, she wanted to get sober. So I took her to, she, she's like, oh, I want to go to a meeting. So I took her to a meeting. And we had a conversation and she told me basically like she, oh, she's like still uh, was going to smoke weed. Like ba based on the conversation, I don't remember exactly the words that transpired, but it was clear to me that she like wasn't ready. And in that case, like I will never be like, you must do this. You need right. to do this. Right. So I took it to me and I said, okay, you know, and it's like, I kind of like left an open door. I didn't like reach out to her, but I always like, if she would reach out to me, I would answer and um, she, you know, she was, she had her path, she had her journey, and then she actually got clean sober, and she just celebrated three years in July. Nice. Yeah, so it's like stuff like this, you know, like I no longer, uh, different people, I feel like in, in the program or in recovery, people have different skills, right? For right. some people, the skill is to be a sponsor, be a good speaker, right? For some, it's being very, um, like humble in terms of like speaking or whatever, but they're very of service, right? They're part of general service. There's mm -hmm. very few people that I actually know that can do all three things well, which is like the fellowship or whatever, the unity's uh, service and recovery, which is sad because it's like, you know, they're supposed to work together. Yeah. Right. But like I, I personally, there's only few people that I've seen work all three of those, like almost to perfection as I see it. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the times I feel like people have skills in two of the areas more strongly than they do in the third one or whatever. And so my thing is not like, um, it's, yeah, it's like, for me, it's definitely the unity and that's, and the service was for a while up until COVID, you know, like I was very active in hospitals, institutions, going to panels. I was very active in the committees. Uh, but because of that, I neglected the recovery. You know, I neglected my step work a lot of the times. And now? And now I am actually neglecting the service uh, side, which was so profound in my recovery. You know, like I thought, I literally thought that that's what was keeping me sober. And I believe to this day it was, but because of the past, you know, year and a half or whatever, how, however long it's been since COVID, Right. Um, started um, because of that it forced me to go inward a lot more right mm -hmm. and so I just recently um, I got a new sponsor probably two months ago and so like we're back on onto the step work where um, you know we're we're gonna be on step eight um, as I talked about last time when you heard me speak mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, like it just honestly, these past two years forced me to go inward in a lot of senses of the word, you know, like I just recently got out of a relationship and it's crazy. Like there's all these, this is the crazy part when everything around me crumbles, which it kind of feels like it is. And mm -hmm. it happened, it happened in 2019. It's happening again now. So it's about every two years looks like, mm -hmm. Um, and like literally everything, people just like stepping out of my life or I'm pushing people out of my life for whatever reason. And, you know, this is falling apart. This is falling apart. This is falling apart. And I'm in so much pain. And the thing for me is not, oh, I want to use like, but the thing for me, it's like, there's like this crazy overwhelming sense of peace because now I know that I can let go. Like things can't possibly get 
worse. Like, I'm like, that's it. I no longer want my will. I just want the universe to do whatever it's supposed to and put me exactly where I need to go. I love it. It's so good. Um, you know, I was, I was wondering, do you think, um, have you had problems with relationships and recovery? I have. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you think, do you think like your upbringing, like watching, uh, I know you lost your dad at a very young age, but like before that, it seemed like there was some drama. And I think as kids, like when we see stuff between our parents, like we, we take on emotions, we take on feelings. And then later on, I think it, it resurfaces later on in our own relationships, depending on where we are in life. And so like, I, I know when I, I would get into relationships and recovery, a lot of the stuff that I didn't like about what I saw with my parents, especially with my dad's reaction to things were coming out of me and without really even like without me really being aware of it. You know what I mean? Like, do you, is this something that when you say you've gone inward, something that you've been working on or you've noticed? I mean, yeah. So, um, part of the major thing that happened probably in the past year is, you know, like I was always like recovery. This is the only way this, I mean, you know, um, my, the book for, uh, my recovery program says this is, uh, not no autonomy uh i forget the, the words just drawing a blank but basically it's saying like this is not the only way to get sober right mm -hmm. but i like for many years i went on looking up to people who have multiple years of recovery uh, my sponsor at some point you know i just looked up to them and i'm like this will literally solve all my problems and it's crazy because the book says this will solve all your problems. All your problems. and this book has been a basis for a bunch of other programs of recovery right, right. and Yes, I can see that, but um, I can see and I can understand it. But in the past year, I've outsourced to other pieces of literature and they're not um, my recovery fellowships or whatever approved uh, literature, but they're like The Four Agreements, which is a very well-known mm. book, right? Don Miguel Ruiz, he has another one, The Mastery of Love. Mastery so of Love is a beautiful book. Beautiful right. And, yeah. and there's been like some other pieces of literature. And so like what uh, my consensus is like, yeah, I'm definitely uh, I I could probably qualify for that fellowship adult ch children of alcoholics because mm -hmm. I was raised by someone who was raised by an alcoholic and she mm -hmm. carried on what was taught to her. Mm -hmm. um, but um, so, yeah, I feel like that does affect my relationships. But at the same time, something that I've kind of like trying to. I've been trying to embrace and live by this past year is like we tell ourselves, you know, like it's the stigma. It's what we say. Like I, I got so used to saying, Oh, I'm sick or, Oh, I'm crazy. And no, you know, like we can't say stuff That's like true. that. We need to put a stop to saying, Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm this, because we literally, manifest those things onto us mm -hmm. and that's been so major in the past year because it made me like you know i i'm always saying oh i'm sorry i'm sorry and someone pointed it out to me when you say you're sorry you're saying i am like i am the person sorry like mm -hmm. so my niece actually said then she's like you have to say i apologize and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like, that's true. And I never really paid attention to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I, I'll, this is like a really vulnerable thing. Um, you know, the program has like literally saved my life, saved thousands of other people's of lives. But in the past year, because I had to take a step back, we were, a lot of us are forced to take a step back. It made me more aware right there's a lot of stigma that goes on there's a lot of like those negative stigmas that go on in the fellowship that i never really took a note of you know and that's not gonna like make me oh like i want nothing to do with the program right like i'm going back into more meetings as much as i can you know i got the sponsor but at the same time i get to i you know we always have this option we get to pick and choose what we want to carry with that with us right and before i was very very easily influenced Mm -hmm. And I would take the negative parts of it as well. And I would um, like make that a part of me. And so now I'm more aware and I'm more clear on those things so that I can actually take what, take the positive reinforcements or whatever and take the, the positive things from the program and carry that with me and leave the rest behind. Mm, I love Is it. That your I, cat? Is that your yeah, cat? I think she's stuck in a room. Um, oh. 
everything you're saying is music to my ears. Truly, I really, really love, I, I get what you're saying. Like, we condition ourselves to thinking and being a certain way because we might hear it a certain way or we might think it and then we believe it, but that we can manifest negativity or we can turn it around and manifest positivity. I think when I was newly sober, I, I learned about this movie called The Secret and I watched it in rehab and I was like, I remember distinctly they said, you build your own energy, however that may be. If you're going to be a, a negative Nancy, you're going to have a negative life. Like that's all there is to it. If you're if you're a positive Peter, like you can you can just positivity will ooze through you. And so that's what I did. I truly did. Like I didn't I wanted to be able to work those steps in that particular program because because I was tired of living the way I was living. And and I and if I'm not mistaken, obviously there's is a portion of it that's a fearless moral inventory and overcoming fear. And the only way I was going to be able to do that is by plugging into something greater than myself. I love what you, what you talked about today, as far as um, not living in fear, too many people live in fear, even during pandemic. Like when this first started for us, especially people in recovery, like a lot of people were freaked out. Like, how are we going to do this? Like we can't go to meetings and things like that. But truth be told, I think it brought us closer together. I think we learned more about each other. We got to go to different parts of the world that we would have never been able to have gone to and interacted with other people in recovery. So is the glass half full or is it half empty? You know what I mean? So right. I, I, I just dig it. I dig it so much. Um, what's What does your future look like? Are you chasing your dreams? Are you happy with the job that you're working right now? Yeah, so that's a, that's a tough one. So I have uh, I have an amazing boss. Um, who's kind of losing it, I think, right now. Um, kind of like the whole like living in fear concept. Um, and uh, he's really overcome by fear. And it's like, and I see how it affects and it just like, it's crumbling. It feels like, to me, my perception of it is like his mind is crumbling because of that. Um, you know, he's an, a great boss and he's been really good to me. So I don't know, I probably could never leave him because he's so good to me and he allows me the time to go and travel i you know i have i work monday through thursday nine to five and on fridays i work nine to twelve i have a great schedule for what i want to do and take off mm. he'll give me friday off occasionally thursday off if i want to go somewhere um but if i really want to and you know and that's kind of what i've been like really trying to manifest is like, I want to be able to have my own business. I want to work remotely. Um, you know, either one of those options, you know, like I just want to, like, I want to be somewhere where I can interact with people, where I can travel when I could talk, when I could help, you know, like I want to be in that position. So I don't really, um, and you know, like one of the major things was like just recently getting out of a really toxic relationship. And I'm not saying that the person was toxic. It was just like the way that I, reacted to the situations and you know i tried to break it off many times and and i couldn't you know it's like there was just so much uh craziness happening but like it was important for that to happen because it allowed me to um it allowed me to like be put in that restless irritable and discontent state mm -hmm. to where like now that i took a step back and you know like i can look back at that and like you know the hindsight is 2020 whatever they say um right. i can like truly see the things that i need to work on like and this is the crazy part so you know like one of the major things that came up in my step work is fear of being alone right mm. for a lot of us um for a lot of us that's yep. a major one i have mm. no fear of being alone right. i can literally go to a rave <laughs> which uh -huh. i've done and I can be alone and I can have and a just blast. Be, just, just be just fine, huh? Exactly. I'll go to another state on a road trip by myself, which I've done, and right. I can be fine and I can have a blast, you right. know? Um, and I'm pushing. The only thing that I haven't done alone is I haven't like tent camped alone, but I've car camped alone and I have a blast. I love it. You know, like I feel at peace. I don't feel alone. You know, like I feel like my creator has me. And like, you know, when I was going through this breakup, it was rough and I was just like, literally praying all day long god help me god help me god help me god help me over and over again and you know another thing is i started listening to like a lot of youtube meditations you know like the kind like in the what morning, do you listen to which ones oh there's so many it's like uh, i mean literally just like i would google or whatever look up on youtube um positive affirmations or like morning affirmations my friend natalie actually put me onto it uh, yes. probably 
like a few, you know eight months ago when I was go starting going through hardships in the relationship uh -huh. and then like literally every morning and then at night I do like you know lately I've been doing the one that's uh disattaching emotion negative emotional cords or whatever and it's crazy I started doing this meditation and a couple of friends you know like I've separated myself from a couple of friends in my life not mm -hmm. to say that they're negative people but just that that attachment was negative right from me to them uh, maybe even on my side Wait. and so yeah so um so that's what i'm i don't i'm not thinking about like far ahead future like yeah i want to i mean i always thought like i want to get married and i want to have kids mm -hmm. right but it's not really looking like that and and so like this is something really important from the stuff that I've been like reading or listening to in the past uh, in the past couple of weeks is that I don't need someone else to make me whole. Um, what I really need is if I'm ever to have that life and if that is my uh, you know if that is my path, that's what my creator wants me to do, then like I need to really I you know you hear this thing self love all the time you're right. like oh self love and I thought what that meant is oh I I should get a, my nails done I should get like my pedicure I should take care of myself that's not what self love actually is and I never <laughs> knew that up until like the last month right. and what it means is I love the person that I am it doesn't matter if someone approves or disapproves of me I enjoy my own company I am okay being by myself. I am a kind person. Like I'm not walking away from an interaction with the with a server or a cashier, mm -hmm. feeling like I am, you know, like I've just been rude <laughs> or whatever. Like th those kind of little things, like they affect you so much, and that's why service is so important, right? When you help yeah. someone, you feel like you have a purpose in life, and that's been major. And actually, like really quick, I want to share this because I sure. thought it was so profound. I don't even remember which uh, piece of literature it was, mm -hmm. um, but so I'm going to tell you a story, right? So yes. imagine someone comes to your house and uh, oh, imagine like you have a kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. And the kitchen, it just makes unlimited amounts of food, just whatever you want, anything right. you could think of. And then mm -hmm. someone comes to your door and they're like, hey, I have this pizza. If you want this pizza, you can have it, but you have to do this, this and that. And you have to be, you know, you have to be this way. And you mm -hmm. look at this person, you're like, um, no thanks. I have a kitchen that makes like amazing pizza. If, as a matter of fact, if you want, you can come and have some of my pizza, right? Mm -hmm. But imagine someone comes to your door and they're like, "Hey, I have this one size of pizza. You can have it, but you have to do this, this, and that, and you're starving. You have like no food in your kitchen at all, and mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, give me this piece of pizza. I'll do whatever yeah. you want. Right. And that's like the analogy for love, right? So like when you have love for yourself for others right like you're just you have so much love like someone's gonna come and give you like pieces and bits and you're like no thanks you know like i you know i know my worth like i don't i don't need your love to fulfill mm -hmm. me like i got plenty of myself but like when you when you don't have that and you don't love yourself and you carry that shame and guilt and you think you're all these negative things and then someone comes and they give you a little bit like of that comfort or love or attention and you're like so starved you're like please whatever you want i'll do i'll change who i am so like i can have this piece this drug that you're giving me mm -hmm. basically you know and it's like as alcoholic addict we get to carry that you know like we're like we attach to those things you know that attention mm -hmm. you know that comfort like i enjoy it so much yes please give it to me um because it's gonna validate me as a person and i've done that for so many years and i'm able to see that now this is if this is the kind of the relationship that i'm starting in this is not the person my creator wants me to be with right and mm. i have this gut feeling that i always ignore and i brush off to insecurities i'm like oh i'm insecure oh it's not their fault it's mine and that's what happened in this relationship i had this gut feeling which was a reaction to energy mm -hmm. shift and i was just convinced like this is the insecurity when it really wasn't it was like i was on point and it's happened time and time again and we as you know we as humans in this world like we a lot of the times we're like we brush it to the side we're like no this is not this is me and it's mm -hmm. not it's like we you know in recovery i'm able to as a you know as 
growing and evolving in recovery, I'm able to be more in tune with like the universe in general and like mm -hmm. the energy and the vibrations. Like it sounds hippie or whatever. And, no, but, like, it's no, really it's not. I, I totally get it. You know, um, we're always evolving, especially when we're in recovery and we're, we're taking it serious. We're always evolving. We're always learning. It's so awesome for you to share your, your awareness. Like, I love that. I, I love it's very powerful. Very powerful. It's, Look at some the of the timing is perfect, by the way. If you thank God, because you if asked I me got, if I would have got you on here like a month and a half ago, we would have had a different story. Yeah, 100%. I'm not even kidding. 100%. So here, here, I'm going to put up some of these. I don't know if you could see it. Can you see Pandora uh, says, thank you so much, Mariana. Thank you. Um, and then here's my, I love you, Mariana. Um, okay, Tina Irani. I know you know her. She's oh, a <laughs> Mariana is the queen. Thank you. And then Pandora says, preach truth, Mariana. Okay, oh. so I, I want you to know something. Um, God, I learned so much from just this conversation today because – it's all the shit that goes through my own head already. Like, and, and I'm constantly processing, constantly like trying to make, make things make sense. And you know, there was a time, like I told you I was, I'm 14 years sober. There was a time when I was like five or six years sober. So seeking so much validation, so much recognition. I would go to, um, I remember like going to the movies one time alone and, thinking I'm going to do this on my own. Like I can go to the movies alone, but I'd sit in there and not even pay attention to the movie. Cause I'd see all the couples in there and think to myself, why am I not with somebody like, and I know I just gotten out of a relationship and, and, and I was so like just uh, reaching for the life preserver. And I realized like over a period of time, like loneliness is not a bad thing. It's not even real. Like if you're really close to your creator, depending on how you roll, like you're never alone. You're really not oh. alone. And, and you can have that relationship with yourself where you enjoy your own company. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, there's like loneliness and then there's being alone. And like loneliness is, I feel like, is the feeling. Like I do, I still sometimes feel the loneliness, you know, like honestly, when I was car camping, I thought it was perfect, but I wish I had a dog with me, you know, like a medium sized dog. I have a chihuahua, but she's kind of like, yeah, she's not an adventure dog. I wish I had a medium sized dog, right. but, um, like I'm okay with being alone. Like loneliness is the feeling that sometimes comes up and you know, like mm -hmm. it's, it's okay. It's human. It's still like, I mean, 30, I'm 32 years old and mm -hmm. you know, I have, um, you know, seven and a half plus years sober, but like all those years, even including the sobriety years, I've experienced that concept that I need without realizing what it really was. I experienced that concept. Like, I deserve to be with someone who completes me. Not mm -hmm. necessarily like I need them to be complete, but more mm -hmm. like I need my other half. And right. even that is like not how it works. You know, mm -hmm. I read somewhere recently, it's like the other person is, you know, like your partner or your soulmate or whatever. They're mm -hmm. not to complete you. They're to challenge you to grow, right? To help you grow as human beings help each other grow. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not really like, and so, you know, it's okay, you know, like, it's okay sometimes to get whatever for me to like, remember, it's okay to get sad, or it's okay to um, feel the loneliness, but it's like important to keep, that's why I have a lot of trips, like I literally go somewhere every weekend, it's like, that kind of stuff, being in nature, it like reminds me, right, that there's plenty more things to look forward to, because I've been suicidal, right, um, I'm not on an, any antidepressants, you know, mm. and um, I've not, not knocked them or anything, but just that, yes, do I get depressed? Yes. Do I have anxiety? Major. Uh, but for me personally, literally all it will take is just being in nature, being like, that allows me to be in the present. And it's like my meditation form, you mm -hmm. know, and like, it allows me to remember, like, I don't feel alone. You know, there's like a bunch of animals out there. There's like all these like plants, right. you know the clouds like i don't feel alone when i'm in those things i love it i love it you know another thing that i was going to say um is you know we had eskimos that brought us into recovery which they were inspirational they were they were they gave us hope right so uh in in talking about what we're talking about right now like i never give up on love i it's funny for a long time i was conditioned whenever somebody would say pej it's okay like god is preparing the perfect woman for you and i'd say to them 
Well, he's fucking taking his time, like his sweet ass time. Like when the fuck is this going to actually happen? Because, and, and I realized like every relationship I have was not a bad relationship. There may have been toxic moments or toxic experiences. And I chose to be in those. I chose to paint red flags green and stay in those relationships, but they're all learning experiences, which makes me realize like what I don't want and what I do want. And so down the line, I've, I've, I still believe in love. And the reason I was saying about Eskimos, I have Eskimos that demonstrate what real love is, that are in relationships that are healthy. And they show me that it's real. Like it can really happen. It can be, it, it's realistic. I have two uh, two friends that have been married 30 some odd years. And I'm like, do you guys ever even fight? Like, do you, I mean, what, you, you have like, the perfect relationship. She's not enmeshed in your life. You're not enmeshed in her life. But whenever I see you guys together, it's pure love. And that gives me the hope and, and the inspiration to to know, like, it'll happen when it needs to happen. And it happens in in God's time, in my creator's time, not in my It also happens, yeah, for me, I feel like, so I felt that way for, for a long time, too. And I think for me, it, I just got to the point recently, obviously, I got to the point where I'm like, it will happen when I am whole enough. Like there will be like a lot of like whatever temptations or like, you know, sure. but it's like I'm more aware now of like, you know, not painting the red flags green as they like to say, yeah. like I'm more aware of these things. I literally like, I'll know, like, you know, probably within the first few minutes. And one of the pieces of literature I read says like, you, you usually know within the first like 15 minutes mm -hmm. if this is the, the person or not and then you choose you tell yourself that this is okay but you know and i'm just like way more aware of it now to where i'm like sure. you know and yeah, the, I, first, the first instinct yeah exactly but you know it's like so i know like if that was if this is ever in my path to like meet a soulmate if that's like a thing or whatever mm -hmm. if that is in my path like it will not happen until you know how they say the master will appear when the student is ready? Kind yes. of like the same concept. Like if that's going to ever appear, it's going to be when I'm a whole person and I no longer need that to feel like I'm complete. Yeah, I heard a saying one time in, in a 12-step meeting, you're ready for a relationship when you realize you don't have to be in a relationship. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Wow, this was excellent. It's so good to hear from you. And I knew I knew it was going to be good because I remember when I'd heard you before, I was like, she's so well-spoken. She like Just the way you speak, it's it's enthralling. And so I, this is what I hope. I believe, and, and sometimes when I hear somebody speak as well as you, I believe that you have an, an amazing story that can inspire many. I would hope that one day you, you write a book. I really, I think you would be a great writer. I just... You're so well spoken, so I, I hope that happens. I just I've thought it before, you know. Um, and just to see your transformation and see who you are, keep doing what you're doing, Mariana, because it's a lot to look up to, truly. And you can help a lot. I'm I already know you help a lot. Thank you, thank you so much, Prez. I really appreciate the honor and privilege of having me on your podcast. Hmm. Um, I hope someone got something out of it. Uh, but yeah, it was a really awesome experience. Never done a podcast before, so I appreciate you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Have a good rest of your day. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of your weekend and keep being an adventurer. Okay. Much love. Yeah, promise I'll do that. Bye. Awesome. Bye.